Hello, and welcome to the Voices of Reason podcast. I am Jason Lee, along with my colleague, Amy Donaldson. And today, we are going to launch our first in our candidate conversation series, and we're going to be talking to local political candidates. And joining us today is Craig Bowden. He's a libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate, hoping to replace uh, our senior senator, Orrin Hatch. Thank you for joining us today, Craig. Not a problem. It's good to be here. And uh, so what Amy and I are going to do is we're going to have, over the next several weeks, conversations with people running for federal office. Yes, any candidate running for federal office. So if you're listening to this and we haven't contacted you, please contact us. And we will be contacting you, believe me. We know where you live. So um, we, we, or where we, your campaign manager lives. Right. What we'd like to do, though, is to give people a sense of what our candidates are thinking, yeah. and particularly as it relates to our, our, our national uh, congressional agenda. And this will hopefully give us a little insight as to you know who the people are and, and yeah. where they hope to, uh, what, what direction they hope to see the country go in. Yeah, and hopefully a little more depth than you normally get. So um, you know, we also would be interested in if there are issues or. Um, that uh, news stories or uh, something that readers or listeners are concerned with, we would love to hear f- from you as well, and we'll relay those questions to the candidates. Absolutely. So please email us at voramed at uh, gmail at gmail and at also vorjasonl at uh, gmail, and we'll be happy to uh, field those questions and, and get a little uh, conversation going back and forth. All right. So. A lot of things to cover here. We yeah. have uh, we're going to do this in uh, short segments, so we're going to get uh, question to question. So I'm going to start out, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I there's been a uh, a recent decision regarding an officer-involved shooting here in Salt Lake. Well, actually, was wasn't it down south? Uh, yeah, I think it was Enid no, it City. Was, uh, Enid City. So yeah. the idea is to we'd like to ask Craig your thoughts. As it turns out, so prosecu- the prosecutors had one idea. The police internal investigation came up with another. Uh, they, they, they found it to be uh, a justified shooting where the prosecutors uh, thought otherwise. What are your thoughts on how these kinds of incidents should be handled? And what, what, what are the best ways to see justice done for, for uh, the community and for law enforcement? Uh, sure. Um, well, one of the big things for me in running for the U.S. Senate is actually criminal justice reform. And uh, when it's an officer that is involved in use of force. Uh, To me, the investigations uh, of officers should not be completed by a department. Uh, That that should be something done by an independent panel Mm -hmm. or a citizen review board um, where they actually take members of the community that are going to review the evidence and see if there will be an indictment, similar to a grand jury, basically. Um, I believe that that is where the investigative authority should be. Um, it, it shouldn't also be in the hands of the prosecutor, per se, because in a lot of instances, the prosecutors and the police are working hand-in-hand hand on a lot of cases, and so it ends up being a little bit more difficult to go up against somebody that you work with on a daily basis. Um, so by taking it out of the hands of law enforcement and putting it in the hands of the people, we might get a little bit more objective uh, uh, viewpoints in uh, the investigation. So that's what I'd like to see happen in these kind of cases. I'm going to ask you to speak up a little more just because keep your voice going. But uh, so, Amy, I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable, especially since you you want an independent arbiter to be the person or or the uh, the entity that uh, reviews these cases so that no one thinks that it's uh, it's imbalanced on one side or the other. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's like I said, you, you end up with a, a situation where you're going to be pitted against somebody that you work with if it's the prosecutors doing it. 
And if it's the police department that's looking into their own stuff, I mean, who's honestly going to say, hey, yeah, I, I screwed up? You know, um, a, a lot of times what we see is stuff kind of gets swept, swept under the rug. Or they may have a lawyer telling them, don't say that, right? Exactly. Don't even take responsibility. So that's the other issue is opening yourself up to civil liability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think that I'd like to know your thoughts on getting to the officers or the training the officers undergo that, that, that would eliminate these situations in the first place, right? So s- clearly there's something going on where they feel there's no other option other than to shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. So what's happening there, and do you have some thoughts on some training uh, differences? Um, well, what, one of the things that uh, I'd like to see uh, personally is uh, w- when I was in the Marine Corps, what we would end up doing is these uh, simulation trainings where you would basically be put in a stressful situation. Maybe there's somebody yelling at you, uh, acting aggressive, things of that nature. And so you had to decide when they were pulling their hand from behind their back if there was a gun, a handkerchief, or maybe they were just going to you know, wave their hand around. And you had that split second to decide. And by going through that training you're able to get that uh, positive identification of a weapon before you actually discharge your own. So you've sort of been through some training that, and and I would like to see it be the de-escalation training be something that is that, like, is this really a situation I should be afraid of? Or am I afraid and then I need to calm myself down so that I can appropriately deal with the situation? Because that's one of the things I, I mean, I see. But um, I I wondered too, if being a veteran, and we may want to do this after the break, but just to, you know, your opinions on the VA issues. There was a recent report that was issued that was pretty scathing, um, and it led a lot of people to believe that the only option for the VA is privatization. And I wonder if you have some thoughts on that, being a veteran. Um, Most most definitely. Um, You know, there's a lot of reforms that are needed when it comes to uh, uh, the Veterans Administration. Um, Are you in favor of privatization, or do you think that the reform could come in this current system? In all honesty, I think that the medical side of the VA has been failing our veterans, and veterans should basically be given an identification card with mm-hmm. their disability rating and information on it mm-hmm. and have the ability to go to any hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've been finding is that there are a lot of doctors uh, that, that have been found that have had licenses suspended, uh, that have been working in VA facilities, um, the wait lists, um, I mean, just a whole myriad of issues that are going on mm-hmm. where veterans are basically either having to wait too long for care or they end up having to uh, not get any at all. Yeah. Uh, listen, we're going to continue this conversation with Craig Bowden, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. You are listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. This is our first candidate conversation. We'll be back right after this. We're back, and this is the Voices of Reason podcast. I am Jason Lee, and we're talking to Craig Bowden. He's the libertarian candidate here in Utah for the U.S. Senate seat, now held by uh, outgoing, well, eventually outgoing Senator Orrin Hatch. Retiring. Retiring. That's a better way to say it. He's the (laughs) longest-serving senator in in the U.S. Senate today. And uh, when we we left, we were just chatting about the VA and some of the issues with it, and Craig, being a, a veteran himself, 
was lending some of his thoughts on some of the issues that, that face veterans around this country, particularly as it relates to, to medical care, which is, I think a lot of people realize there are a myriad of services that the VA provides, but for many people, the medical part is the ones that we see the most because mm-hmm. we, we either take our veterans to them for care or we go see somebody for care. And uh, it's right now, it's, it's, I don't, is it a mess? Is that a good way to describe it? You know, a, a mess would b- probably be the best way to describe it. And in spite of promises that have been made over the years, there just hasn't been anything done. Um, I mean, we can look all the way back to 2012 where there was a report that was put out that said that only one-third of VA facilities are even able to have OBGYN care for female veterans. And, I mean, that that's still not being taken care of. And this isn't a partisan issue at all. This isn't yeah. Democrat. This isn't Republican. Nobody's been doing it good, doing it well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and then the wait lists. Uh, when you're talking about waiting to get rated for a disability, um, it, it can take upwards of, you know, a year and a half to three years. And that's assuming you get it on the first go. Uh, a lot of times veterans have to appeal. And in the meantime, they're sitting there waiting to get care that they either have to pay for out of pocket or they end up basically not getting it. Um, I mean, when we're talking about psychological care. Yeah, mental health. That's the biggest issue. That, that's right? one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Uh, there's 22 veterans on average every single day that are committing suicide and it's not getting addressed. Um, you know, there's no plan that's been put in place. There's tons of promises that are being made, but nobody actually comes up with anything concrete. One of the things I'd personally like to see is a 0% rating for anybody who operated in a combat theater. Because what a 0% does is it at least gets you the access to care because it's a uh, service-connected disability. So you're while you're getting evaluated to find out exactly what the percentage is going to be, you know, whether it's 20%, 30%, 100%, whatever have you, you're at least able to get the counseling services that you need. Uh, that way, you don't run the risk, of, at least as high, for suicides, attempted suicides, things of that nature. Um, and it costs the government nothing to rate them at 0%. Um, so it's something that could be done really easily, really quickly. And again, this is a nonpartisan issue. This isn't Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Independent. It's something that every single American agrees on, that when somebody serves their country and they're injured in the line of duty, they should be taken care of. And that includes uh, having PTSD or other mental uh, issues when they come back. But it's not just physical uh, Yeah, I I wonder, did the infusion of money that gave more choice recently under the Trump administration, did that make any difference, or do you see that um, as a Um, good move or in the right direction or... You, you know, there's more choice. The the I would like to see more choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I know that they have been trying a program where if you live so far away mm-hmm. uh, from a VA facility, that yeah. you'll have the ability to go to something closer. Yeah. Um, but it, in everything that I've experienced, I mean, it, it would just be easier just to issue everybody a card and yeah. let them go to the doctor that's closest to them. Yeah. Um, I mean. Uh, take me, for example, the doctor that I've seen since I was a kid literally lives down the street from me and works down the street from me. Mm-hmm. So it would take me two minutes to get to where he is to get any kind of treatment. Whereas if I needed to uh, go through the VA system, I've got to drive all the way out to Salt Lake City because I'm outside that limit. So it's still a 40-minute drive to get to be seen for anything. And there's veterans that live even further away. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I believe you have to be more than an hour away or something like that in order to qualify mm -hmm. for those choice programs. And I think that every veteran should be able to have the choice of where they go to be seen. And, and while we're talking healthcare, we'll just stay with healthcare, the healthcare theme. I wondered two things. Do you have some a solution or solutions for the healthcare crisis? The Affordable Care Act um, has not solved all our problems, <laughs> remarkably. And then, and then also, do you have an opinion on medical marijuana, the ballot initiative on this falls? Well, let me take those in a little bit of reverse order. Sure. Um, when it comes to the medical cannabis initiative here in Utah. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually the first candidate to come out in full support of it. I was actually on the streets helping gather signatures. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that there are a myriad of health concerns that can be addressed uh, with, with cannabis legalization. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I am fully in support of it. Mm -hmm. On the moral grounds of it, I don't think that we should be locking people away in jail uh, for the consumption of a plant. Yeah. Um, but on the medical side, this is something that needs to be done. Government shouldn't be getting in between doctors and patients. Um, in a broad sense, on the uh, medical, uh, we I, I would like to see things move into a more free market system. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest things I think that we definitely need in the medical industry is transparency. How much does the MRI cost? Um, because then you can shop around. How much does an x-ray cost? How much does a prescription cost? When you know those prices up front... Mm -hmm. You can get the biggest bang for your buck. And do you think you'll care. ever get those costs if you have healthcare companies involved? Because if, as long as you have insurance companies involved, they like to negotiate, and and they and and oftentimes they end up getting more money. Well, so that's why an MRI costs you more money because health, their uh, insurance companies will pay more. Oh, for sure for the service. And, and I, I think that, um, you know, obviously insurance is a good thing, but uh, it should be used as a catastrophic thing, not mm -hmm. as your everyday medical. Yeah. Listen, I, I know we, I, I don't want to cut us off. We'll continue our discussion with uh, our candidate, uh, Libertarian candidate, Craig Bowden, U.S. Candidate, uh, U.S. Senate candidate. Uh, right after this, we'll have more on our candidate conversation. This is the Voices of Reason podcast. Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson, we are speaking with Craig Bowden. He is the Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate here in Utah, and we are having our first candidate conversation, talking to local candidates running for federal office and getting their perspectives on various issues that are uh, going on currently or that have been kind of uh, nagging us uh, for, for decades, as, as it turns <laughs> yeah, out, when yeah. we talk about the VA and other uh, healthcare issues. And um, so... But I want to give Craig some time to talk about himself. And, and, and who, so who is Craig Bowden? Uh, well, Craig Bowden is uh, first and foremost a dad. Uh, I actually have a few of my kids in the studio here today. Yeah. There are more? Uh, it was great to meet your family, yeah. Yeah, I actually have six total kids. Okay. Um, two of them are stepsons, so they're with their dad right mm -hmm. now. Um, 
you know, getting their time with him, but I treat them like my own, uh, love them to death. Uh, the second thing, obviously I am a husband. Um, so family is always first with me. Um, I'm a small business owner. Uh, basically what I do is I go around using some of the business experience I got with the internal revenue service, as well as some of the leadership experience that I got when I was in the Marines and try to apply those principles and teachings to, uh, businesses to, uh, basically be able to do their taxes properly and then also have a little bit better leadership, things like that team building, Mm -hmm. uh, all that kind of jazz. Um, and then I am a Marine Corps veteran. I served nearly eight years, uh, did two deployments to Iraq, and did an advisement mission to Morocco. Uh, so got to get a little bit of that world travel in. Um, and then my job while I was in the Marines was actually infantry, so I was right there on the front lines uh, holding the rifle, enforcing foreign policy. <laughs> and uh, that, that kind of is one of the first things that kind of brought me into exploring libertarianism as a philosophy Mm -hmm. and and see that's interesting to me because it's uh interesting to me that i have so many uh veteran friends who are libertarians and they made the sacrifice they served this country in my opinion in the in the most visceral way and then they come back and they say we need to change the way we do business in foreign countries and what's your uh, sort of your opinion on the russia issue but also i mean there's a lot of foreign policy issues right now and i think one of the things that's interesting with veterans too is that there's not always declared wars, but there's these conflicts and there's places they send you. And we as citizens may not even know about those. Oh, oh yeah. Um, kind of, you know, we, we end up uh, finding out that there's been another death in some country in, in Africa or, you know, the Middle Major. East or whatever. <laughs> and we, we had no idea that we even had a troop presence there. Um, I mean, obviously, if, you know, Congress was going around talking about everything that they're deploying troops to, they'd probably lose some votes because the American people really don't like when our young men and women are put into harm's way unless it's absolutely needed in defense. Um, And that's kind of a pretty general consensus that I've gotten throughout my time uh, Mm -hmm. involved in politics. And uh, that's basically what, you know, kind of came to my mind when I uh, was deployed to Iraq. And they told us that, you know, there are these weapons of mass destruction and after a couple of years of being there, uh, we never found anything. So it just kind of ended up being one of those things where if they got something that big that wrong, what else are they getting wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in regards to Russia, um, you know, I, I've heard a lot about the possibility of influencing elections and things like that. Mm-hmm. In, in my personal opinion, I, I don't think that the United States really has very much moral high ground when it comes to uh, the accusations that they're throwing out there because we also meddle in other countries' elections, and on top of that, if we really don't like a dictator, we tend to bomb their country. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of regime change, a lot of country building, and so while I'm not excusing uh, by any stretch of the means uh, another mm-hmm. country, you know, coming in and trying to invade our sovereignty and how we run our elections, yeah. we have to take a look in the mirror as well. Um, so we need to start. Um, you know, kind of backing off. Um, that's not to say that we can't have diplomatic relations. That's not to say that we can't have trade relations around the world. We absolutely should. Um, but when it comes to meddling with leadership, when it comes to, uh, you know, pu- installing new puppet governments, whatever have you, uh, putting boots on the ground, flying drones, whatever, you know, we, we end up doing, those are the kinds of things that we need to step back from. Hmm. Interesting. So when I... Uh 
think of uh, and, and and you mentioned something that I don't, I don't know that uh, many politicians would actually say is that that look in the mirror that we have we we did it in uh, Iraq we've we've been trying probably in Iran for a long time certainly Afghanistan and and various other countries in the Middle East where we have done as much as we could to influence the way they live their lives uh, trying to bring democracy to them when they may or may not even want it and when we say to ourselves, well, we are angry at Russia for doing what they did. And by the way, I'm not, uh, you know, what am I saying? I'm, I'm not forgiving that. I actually, but I do understand why they did it and why they do, they, why they behave the way they do. And we are not much different than that, except that it's us now and not uh, what we consider a country that, you know, not uh, of our level of, um, I don't know, of importance in the world. I have a question for you about the third party uh, mm-hmm. system. So I, I just there was a couple of close races last night, and all the Twitter was aflame a, a with, "This is what happens when you vote for a third party candidate. You're the third party. <laughs> Tell me why we need to develop really robust third parties In and fourth minute. parties." Um, well, the the real big thing is that people should be able to vote their conscience, mm-hmm. and. A Democrat isn't always going to align. A Republican isn't always going to align. And I may not even align with, you know, yeah. many people. So you should vote for what most closely is in line with your values, your principles. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you don't have to hold your nose at the polling booth. Um, it, it ends up being where you can feel comfortable in what you did. But are we going to get to a point where this country could sustain three or four parties? Um, you know, I, I think that we eventually could. Um, I think it's going to take uh, individuals stepping up and actually putting themselves out there in a really strong way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting in and doing interviews on the news to talk about what their party stands for, what they stand for as a candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to be able to ask for money. Um, fundraising is always a big thing. And they've just got to get out there and do it. But I think eventually we're going to be there. Do you think the money's a bigger hurdle? Or do you think people wanting their team to win is a bigger hurdle? Because I think a lot of people hold their nose and vote for something they don't like because they just can't bear the idea of losing. Um, I I would say that the biggest hurdle is just breaking that lesser evil voting. Yeah. So instead instead of voting your conscience, you're voting because you want to win. You want to be on the winning team. We will continue this conversation with Craig Bowden, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. Right after this, you're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. This is the Voices of Reason podcast, and we're having our first candidate conversation with Libertarian candidate Craig Bowden. He is running for U.S. Senate uh, to replace Orrin Hatch when he retires uh, at this coming, well, I guess at the end of the year, because they, they serve the final part of their term. And uh, we want, we only have a few minutes left, so we want to uh, kind of get to this, but uh, Alex Jones. Yeah, <laughs> recently banned from... Words that Everywhere I never thought I would Twitter. say on this uh, podcast, I would actually <laughs> say his name. So, Amy, I'm, I'm going to let you take this. Yeah, one. he was recently banned from everywhere, but basically Twitter and his own his own feed. And then, um, and I just wondered uh, what your thoughts are on sort of the free speech versus uh, hate speech issue. 
Um, you know, I, I believe that, you know, free speech is obviously something that's very important, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what you're saying. Um, I have heard some of the most deplorable things that have ever mm-hmm. been said, uh, not only out of politicians' mouths, but some of the uh, radio people like Alex Jones, um, things of that nature. Um, but I think that we need to be able to hear those ideas so that we know how bad they are. Even if they are saying utter lies, if they are just disseminating complete and utter misinformation. You know, uh, it, it, it uh, goes back to uh, you'll be able to know them by the fruit they produce. Um, that, that's the way that I look at it. And if you can't see what's being produced and you're ignorant of it, then there's a likelihood that we could repeat uh, some mistakes of the past. Um, so as much as I despise bigotry, as much as I despise lying, um, I think that people should have the opportunity to be bigots and lie. Um, what about second amendment? Second amendment. Um, I have actually been involved in the second amendment fight since I was about 11 years old. Uh, Uh I wrote my first article for the standard examiner, uh, way back then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the way that I look at things is everybody should be able to defend themselves with the way that they feel most comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are going to go and take a martial arts class. Some people are going to go to the shooting range. Uh, some people are going to carry a pocket knife. Um, but ultimately, you should be able to defend yourself in your home in, in the manner that you feel most comfortable. Are you a fan of open carry? I, I actually advise people not to open carry. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do some firearm instruction. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I, I advise against open carry as opposed to concealed carry yeah. is um, because it puts a target on your back. Um, whether it's law enforcement stopping you to question, whether it's um, somebody actually does come in uh, with nefarious purposes, you're going to be the one that they're going to be looking at first to mm-hmm. take out because they see you as a threat. And I, I do have one more uh, one more mm-hmm. issue I want to hit before we go to the the rapid fire round, but that <laughs> is uh, immigration. Quickly thoughts on um, you know what the what a mess that is and what you think might be the solution. Um, we we definitely do need to streamline the process. Um, mm-hmm. My personal feelings are if somebody wants to come here to better their lives, they should be able to without much hindrance. You know, check in, do a quick background check and be on their way as long as they don't have like terrorist ties gang ties uh mm-hmm. criminal major criminal issues things like that <coughs> so you're not a fan of the wall i am not a fan of the wall um <laughs> I, I i look at I it i say that to bug jason <laughs> <laughs> is there well i know that they're fans of the wall but yeah. <laughs> yes there are um so let's let's uh let's go to the rapid fire uh, yep. do you have a mentor um i actually do um Probably the greatest mentor I have is my dad. Um, mm-hmm. He's coached me uh, since I was a little kid in history and politics. Do you have Poli- a role model, uh, political, political role hero? model, or hero? Yeah. Um, if I were to pick one person um, that inspires that has inspired me politically, it would be George Washington, and it's because he had the option to become a king and turned it down. Yeah, rare. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would it be? Oh wow. Um, you know, it might sound a little bit weird, but I actually wouldn't mind um, having dinner with Barack Obama, uh, kind of pick his brains a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask you, so uh, you've been in the military. You ever been lucky? Uh, like near misses? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a few of them. Uh, a couple of uh, shrapnel pieces that barely missed, uh, bullets that were within inches, but... Uh, 
you, you'll, you'd actually be surprised at how common some of those stories are where somebody just drops something, bends to pick it up, and a bullet flies, flies over, over their things head. like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think just about everybody I know has one of those. <laughs> Do you have a mantra that you live your life by? <laughs> um, one, one of the things that I developed a number of years ago uh, is the Latin phrase, numquam sede libertatum aut mors, and that means never surrender, liberty, or death. And that's basically the way that I live my life is I'm going to fight for not only my own personal freedom, but the freedom for every individual that is in my community, in my country, and in the world. What's the hardest thing you've had to overcome? Oh, uh, hardest thing I've ever had to overcome would probably be opiate addiction. Um, there, there was a time in my life uh, when I had an injury to my knee and... Uh, unfortunately, I got addicted to the painkillers that were prescribed, and that was quite an ordeal to overcome. Uh, not going to lie, that was a tough one. So you probably have some special insight into the opioid crisis. Well, most definitely do. I was just going to ask you, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you feel like uh, we've addressed it the wrong way all along and that we should, probably should have thought of it as a public health crisis? Uh, I, I definitely think it needs to be addressed more as a health crisis as opposed to a criminal one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that if uh, people were not afraid to go to jail they'd be more willing to come forward to seek treatment mm-hmm. yeah um do you have a bucket list um i i most definitely do have a bucket list okay so if so give us a, give us a couple ideas of what's on that bucket list um i definitely want to take my wife to paris uh that that's a pretty big one mm-hmm. um i would love to go uh in a submarine uh, mm-hmm. ne- I would not be been. joining. I was with you on the first one, <laughs> not the second one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'd also like to uh, actually visit the White House someday. Um, you know, I, I've walked by it, but never gotten to be inside, and I uh, definitely would like to be inside one day. What's your favorite book? Favorite book uh, would have to go back to my childhood uh, with Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. Nice. Interesting. Okay. Favorite movie? Uh, favorite movie... Uh, kind of a zombie guy, uh, <laughs> oh. to be honest. Uh, yeah. So I, I like kind of the uh, George Romero, um, ah, you know, Dawn of the Dead. Genre, yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, now, we wanted to give him a couple of minutes. Yeah, a couple of minutes. Tell us in two minutes or less why people should trust you with their vote. Well, um, I, I think probably the biggest thing, as you might be able to tell with this interview, is I'm an open person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I've pledged uh, that I would be uh, as a senator. Um, so we respond to emails, we respond to phone calls, we respond to comments on Facebook, uh, you know, whatever have you, uh, mm-hmm. comments on Twitter. We want to be uh, accountable to the people. And out of everybody that I've seen uh, running in the race, I, I think that we're probably the most responsive to individuals who are trying to contact us. Um, and that just kind of ha- goes to one of the th- philosophies that I have of openness and government. Um, we need to have more transparency. We need to have more of that communication. Uh, the other thing is um, I am a United States Marine. I'm the only Marine and the only veteran in this race. Um, you know, that that's experience that you're not going to find uh, with any of the other candidates. Um, when, when it comes to the price of combat, um, I'm the only one that has actually witnessed what the actual price is with human life. And so that's probably the most important duty of a senator or congressman is whether or not we go to war or send our young men and women into combat. And I I think that we need to have some individuals there that understand 
that price before they send anybody out there. Um, and then probably lastly is that I don't consider myself high and mighty. I don't consider myself to be um, deserving necessary of the necessarily of office. I only want to serve the people. Um, that that's been my drive since I was 14 years old is just serving my community. Uh, that's why I joined the military. That's why I went to the IRS to help businesses with navigate taxes, uh, with how complicated the tax law is. You got to have people that are willing to help with that kind of stuff. Um, it's the reasons why, you know, I, I attend church, everything like that is always just kind of, uh, been in with me to serve the people in my community. Um, so if I were to wrap it all up into a package, that's what it would be on why I feel that people should vote for me. Thank you we so much. That. Yeah, yeah. Always a pleasure. Listen, and we're going to continue these conversations uh, throughout the, the coming weeks, so please join us for those as well. And uh, listen, join us again for the next episode of our podcast. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at VORJasonL at Gmail or on Twitter at ADONSports and at Jason Lee one Our show's Twitter handle is at VOR Podcast. And you can check out our Facebook page and also find and subscribe to episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or other places where you find interesting podcasts. And be sure to review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. Now until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.